Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Today is our final morning about the In Christ. Who's enjoyed the In Christ series? We've been doing it since February. February. Can you believe it's nearly May already? I tell you, autumn has just come around the corner. It's nearly uh, missed it, but uh, autumn's here definitely with the weather. Suzanne kicked it off in February in Christ, and she started by saying, what does it mean to be in Christ? And 1 Corinthians 1.30 was the scripture we based it on. It says, but of him you are in Christ, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And so, you, and so to be in Christ was to be abiding in, to be living in. So when you're in Christ, you are in him. You've been given the Holy Spirit. And so that's what it meant to be in Christ, to be in Jesus. The next week, Alex preached on redemption and salvation of God. We touched on the love and grace of God. We touched on the righteousness and sanctification of God. We've talked about the unity and blessing of God, the wisdom and revelation of God. We've talked about the calling of God. And so today, we're just going to finish it off. And I've been thinking about this series, and I was thinking, what happens? Like, that's all, I guess, the theory, but what happens to our lives when we're in Christ? What, what should be evident about the change that happens in our lives? So that's what we're going to touch on today. In Christ, we are never the same. The key thought that if you leave with one thing this morning, this is the key thought I'd love you to leave with, that in Christ, we are never the same. In Christ, we are never the same as what we were or what we would have been. And we're going to go over three key principles and look at some of the, the lives of men in the Bible. And so some things that would result because of our lives in Christ. So, the first thought on why we are never the same when our lives are in Christ is because God himself initiates the change. Have you ever heard someone say, some things never change. Some things never change. Sometimes you want to give those kind of people just a... (laughs) The more I know God, the more I come to understand God, that even though God never changes, He's the same yesterday, today, forever. Even though He never changes, our lives do. Some things in our lives that happen may never change, but the way that God works in our lives should always change. If we are in the same place as we are five years ago, there's something wrong. We need to be changing. We need God to be moving in our lives. When we are in Christ, even though God is never the same, we are always changing. Because as we get to know God, as we get to let Him move in our lives, He works great things in our lives. God initiates or allows change in our lives. God doesn't make mistakes. He can use mistakes, but He doesn't make them. And there is a purpose behind all that He initiates. So the key scripture we're going to look at today is from Galatians 5. It's possible. Paul writing. He says, Galatians 5 verse 1, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in the slavery to the law. 
and down to verse 4. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. Verse 7. You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for He is the one who called you to freedom. Verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. In Christ, we've been set free. But we are never the same. Christ has truly set us free. Verse 1. Christ has set us free. Make sure you stay free by not staying under the law, not trying to do things to please God. Verse 7, for God is the one who called you to freedom. It's God who initiates. It's Christ that set us free. It's God that is calling us to freedom. And uh, going to kick off. going to have to put the mic down for a tick. Okay. Can I have a helper, please? Anyone? I promise you, you won't. You won't get wet. Okay, Rochelle, come out the front door. This is an easy one. Okay. Okay, now. All right. Now this uh, represents God. And uh, God sometimes calls himself the living water. And uh, in life, we're a bit like one of these, a glass. And... uh, we all fill ourselves up with something. <laughs> it can be God, it can be career, it can be sport, it can be uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Michelle, can you fill up those glasses for me, down? Thank you. Thank you. Well done. You may return to your seat. (laughs) We all fill ourselves up with something. But God is the giver of life. God gives of himself to us. 
And we've got to just allow ourselves to be filled with Him. And uh, we're going to see later on that sometimes something else needs to happen. Now, I look at someone in the Bible and I look at their life and I see how God changed them. I see how God used their circumstance and they were never the same. And that person is Moses. I think of Moses and I think how he was a man of passion. He was a man that loved social justice. He was a man that was given up by his parents and was raised up in a palace. Yet he ends up so zealous for his people that when he sees someone getting beaten, he, he kills the Egyptian supervisor and he flees. And he ends up being out in the bush, so to speak, raising sheep, cattle, whatever. But I just want to read to you what happens to Moses. It's from Exodus chapter 3. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Through the bush was engulfed, though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Now if you had a burning bush in front of you and a voice calling out, would you call back? Would you speak back to the bush? I wouldn't. <laughs> I would think something's going on <laughs> and I don't want to be a part of this. But apparently Moses was okay with it. Maybe he was dehydrated, I don't know. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because afraid he was afraid to look at God. When I read that, I reckon that Moses knew God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been he would wouldn't have been afraid to look. People that know God know that. God is awesome and that when he speaks we must respond there's then a conversation between God and Moses can you imagine being in that same situation as Moses speaking to God like that wow what had changed in Moses' life from, from when he had fled from, from murdering someone to now wanting to have a conversation with God himself what what changed in Moses's life and it's, I believe it's this then the Lord told him I've certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers yes I'm aware of their suffering it's just my speculation but I, I reckon that it's at that point that Moses understands that God sees what goes on. 
God isn't a God that just sits far away. God's involved in our lives. God initiates things in our lives. God had seen the oppression and slavery in the the nation of Israel that he initiated something in Moses' life. And it started with a burning bush. Moses understands that God just isn't some far-off superpower. But he is a relational God. A God that is involved with his people here on earth. When I read the account of Moses and God in, that, in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, I read about a relational God. A God that wants to be with his people. A God that wants to, to help his people. A God that initiates. It is God himself that initiates change. God initiates a change in Moses' life through the burning bush. It was that point. Yes, Moses had, had learnt things through his time in, in, in the bush, watching after sheep, absolutely. But there was a moment that God used to initiate change. I reckon if you reflect through your lives, you'll, un- you'll remember moments in your life that God used to initiate change. God doesn't make mistakes, but he can use our mistakes to initiate change. Romans 5. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. God showed his love for us by sending Jesus. God initiated that for us. In Christ, we are never the same. So the second thought, why we are never the same when our lives have been crossed, we are intertwined with the life of Christ himself through us, through the Holy Spirit in us. Galatians 5, 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do what is evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. God called us to be free. He set us free in Christ. He gives us his Holy Spirit. The first thing Jesus did when he rose from the dead out of the tomb he sees some people walking down the road and he talks to them. But then he goes to the disciples 
and they're in their in their closed room, locked room. They're all freaked out, scared. He's in the room, and the first thing he does is he breathes the Holy Spirit on him. And he says, peace, I give you. So this is, this is us. And uh, we are in Christ. God has, has poured of himself into us. So I need some, some more helpers, please. Anyone? All right, James, you can come up. Up you come, mate, yep. I need you just to pour just one drop into that glass. I don't know if you can see that. But it's just a little drop. And we're now changed. Just one touch from God. That's all it can take. One touch. And your life will never be the same. You'll go from what some people might call a, a plain bit of water to something that's colourful. When I think about a life that's changed in the Bible, I think about the Apostle Paul. His life was changed by Christ. He knew. He knew all about the Messiah um, from the Old Testament. And yet it took an encounter for, for his life to be changed. So I just want to read from, uh, from Acts. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. That was Christians. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on the mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. Here was Moses talking to God, and now he's 
Paul talking to God. I don't know about you, but I, I see a relational God. God who wants to talk. God who wants to communicate. Paul gets off the ground blind, and he's helped to uh, a city called Damascus, and there he's, he's blind. He, basically, he's blinded. He can't see. And he's that shook up. He can't eat or drink for three days. And so God sends someone called Anais to, to Saul. And from verse 17, So Anais went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Knowing the Bible, did Paul say the, <laughs> the sinner's prayer? But his life was changed. His life was changed after he met with Jesus. Again, I see a relational God. A new direction after having an encounter with God. Paul's life was changed. Our lives are intertwined with God through the Holy Spirit. Those little drops there represent the, just representing the Holy Spirit to us. We are filled with the Spirit of God. Our lives are changed. Our lives are never the same. And so the third point this morning as to why our lives are never the same in Christ is that we make a decision to reject the passions and desires of our sinful nature. Galatians 5, again, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so one person I want to look at now is, is Peter. You know, Peter was one of the disciples, and he was one of the disciples that uh, he was with Jesus a lot of the time. He was a fisherman. He used to catch fish for a living. And he went from being a fisherman to a disciple. And Peter was the guy that cut off the soldier's ear. Remember that? In the, in the garden? how the soldiers had come to arrest Jesus, and he was that fired up, that fired for Jesus, that he cut off the soldier's ear. And Jesus then healed the soldier's ear, put it back in place. Peter then followed Jesus when he went to, to Pilate, and he then denied Jesus three times. Jesus told him he was going to do it, and he said, no, I'm not going to do that. Jesus said, you're going to die him three times. He did it. He ran away crying, crying, crying. In the Bible it says he wept bitterly. What happened to Peter? Because you know in the book of Acts, Peter is instrumental in starting the early church. What happened to him? From the time that he was running away from Jesus after having denied him because he was scared, to being a man just full of God, what happened? I believe it's, it's this, John chapter 20. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Another time later, the guys are out fishing and 
Jesus is on the shore and the guys haven't caught anything once again and then Jesus is on the shore he's cooked up them a feast fish bread a bit of hot chili sauce maybe and then they say Jesus calls them come in and there's this conversation again between Jesus and Peter. Again, a conversation. And it goes, and the conversation is, is like this. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic for his trip for work. He jumped into the water and headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, breakfast was ready for them. Bring some of the fish you've caught, Jesus said. So better do that. Now come have breakfast. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Again, I see with Peter, just as with Moses and Paul, a relational God. God wanting to be in our lives. God wanting to relate. I don't think it's any coincidence that Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. Peter denied Jesus three times. And Peter was hurt by that. But I believe it changed something in Peter to show Peter that no matter what we do, no matter what we say, even when we run away and turn back, we're never the same. God loves us no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been. The same Peter that ran away. Let's read what happens in Acts when Peter and John are established in the early church. This is what is written about Peter after being with Jesus. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Peter had been with Jesus. Peter was in Christ. Jesus had breathed the Holy Spirit on him. But there's something Peter also did. Because to run away from Jesus showed that Peter had fears. Peter had things in his life that he had to work through. So there's one last thing I'm going to do this morning. And this is... going to illustrate that we also have to play a part. Yes, God initiates change. 
Yes, we are filled by the Holy Spirit, but we also are never the same because we have a part to play. We need to nail to the cross the passions and desires that are from the sinful nature. It says in Galatians, Paul tells us, come on, reject those things. Reject those things you know are not of God. So this is what we're going to do this morning. I need another helper. Another helper, please, someone. It's going to be interesting. All right, James, let you come, mate. Okay. Now, this one. This one uh, just represents, represents a bit of fun. This is going to represent, represent us rejecting the sinful nature. Okay, I'm going to pull that emo. Actually, hang on, it's a bit full. I'm just going to uh, dig it out. Hang on, I get that one. It's not cordial. <laughs> Here you go. Just pour all that in that. So we're rejecting the sinful nature. For me, this is just a representation of the uh, Holy Spirit that uh, when you do wrong things, it convicts us. And uh, once, once we really choose to do something and go God's way, there's change. Th there will be change. And uh, at the moment, nothing much it looks the same. But when we really, really choose to do life God's way, uh oh, oh, Max, I'm sorry. Someone better get a towel. Don't use that. <laughs> yeah. Don't use that. Don't. 
bit of fun. Thanks, Jamesy. That's all right. Just a <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> we had a clear glass. We had a, a glass here at the start. Just a glass. And uh, we can choose to fill our lives up with something. So we chose to live to fill our lives up with God. And uh, God initiates the change. And then the uh, Holy Spirit came in and made our life colourful. And uh, finally, we choose to reject the sinful nature. And we get something that changes. Our lives are never the same. So just to finish up today, just six things that are result. We're in Christ. We're never the same. But what does it look like? Six things. First one, we will have an eternal perspective. When you are in Christ, you will have eternal out view of life no longer are we going to be so focused on the here and the now no longer looking at just ourselves no just looking at what's ha- what's in this life for me we have an eternal perspective when we are in a relation with our internal God you can't but help have an internal perspective Moses saw the future of Israel through God's eyes he had an eternal perspective Paul saw the eternal perspective of God's grace. Peter saw the eternal application of what Jesus did for the early church. He went from being a fisherman to starting the early church. When you are in Christ, you will have an eternal perspective. The second thing, we'll have a focus on others. We won't be self-centered. We will have a change in purpose. Just as Jesus gave himself for others when we are in him we would naturally want to give out well the love of God cannot be and should not be contained just for ourselves again verse 13 from Galatians chapter 5 for you have been called to live in freedom my brothers and sisters but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature instead use your freedom to serve one another in love look at Moses from a man who who fled and went bush from being a shepherd he had a changed purpose when when he met with God a changed purpose to now leading Israel to the promised land the apostle Paul a changed purpose for, for one being so zealous to now being what I would say the the one who showed us what God's grace is Peter from being scared of what would happen to him if he was found as being a friend or a follower of Jesus to dying ultimately a a terrible death like Jesus because of Jesus a changed purpose no longer focused on self third one we will be led by God in our lives Moses was led by God in dealing with Pharaoh Moses was led by God, leading the Israelites in the 
in the wilderness. Paul and Peter were led by the Holy Spirit in the, in the early church, in developing the early church. We'll be led by the Holy Spirit. Number four, there will be persecution and hardship in life because of our faith. Moses had to deal with Pharaoh and the grumbling Israelites. Paul was persecuted, beaten, put in jail. Peter, persecuted, put in jail because of their faith. We're told in the, in the Bible that persecution will come because of our faith. Don't be surprised. Fifth one, the fruit of the Spirit will be evident in our lives. Galatians 5 again. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, things like that. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, goodness. And the last one, you'll be content in all situations. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. In Christ we're never the same. So the band comes back up this morning. To recap the whole series of being in Christ. We've gone through, I guess, the, the theory of being in Christ, what it means. But today we just looked at, well, what, what, what's going to happen in our lives? God initiates change. We're filled with the Spirit. We reject the sinful nature. But six things that happens. We'll have an eternal perspective We'll have a focus on others. We'll have a change in purpose. We're led by God. There will be persecution, but you'll have the Holy Spirit. There'll be fruit there, and you'll be content in all situations. You know, there's one thing that being content in all situations, <laughs> if you can have that in life, that's pretty good. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you never change. We thank you that you are in all things. You are the great I am, the same yesterday, today, forever. But God, I thank you that you love us so much that you don't want to leave us the same. You want to draw us to yourself. You want to fill us with your spirit. You want us to come closer to you in relation, Lord. And we thank you that in you we have life. That Jesus, you have set us free from sin and death by your death and resurrection. Jesus, I thank you for the work that you did on the cross. We're so grateful, Jesus, that through you we are never the same never the same. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Is there anyone here this morning that 
doesn't know Jesus, as everyone has got their eyes closed, that you've never acknowledged that I need Jesus. If that's you, I'd love you to give me a wave and I'd love to pray with you. Or if you want your life to change, you don't want to be the same. You're sick of being the same. Tired of doing the same thing over and over again. I know that in God, (laughs) our lives change for the good. Our lives are changing for the good. No longer just an empty glass, but filled with colourful water. anyone here excellent well thank you church if you love prayer for anything else this morning after we sing this final song please come up the eldership team is here to pray for you and uh, thanks for being at church this morning I trust that that through Something that, through anything that's happened here this morning, through the, through the Word, through communion, through praise and worship, I trust that you'll not leave this place the same. That each week, as, as we come here as, as a group of people, we don't want to just be the same. We want to be people that are changed because God is doing a work in our lives. God who made the heavens and earth wants to relate, just like he did with Moses, Paul, and Peter. He wants to relate with every single one of us here. We just got to say, yep, God, have your way. Bless your church. We're going to sing this final song. But again, if you like prayer, come up. If not, see you back here tonight, 6.30. And uh, God bless. Have a great day.